Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora from inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. You're hanging out with us on Facebook.com, YouTube.com, and MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. The first two, internet streaming video worldwide, and MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT, giving you our internet streaming radio. You can also pick us up on WakeUpCallDT.com as well as Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. Our commissioner connections that you have heard over over the years here are very important to me to see what the leaders around our country are thinking about the world of collegiate athletics and so it is imperative for me to be able to do this and I can't do it without the conferences saying yes to that and giving me the opportunity to share these stories. I'm here today with the commissioner of the A-Sun conference that is Ted Gumbart and Ted has been on the broadcast before and we have a lot to get into today speaking on NIL, the transfer portal, the transformation committee, the future of the NCAA, the strength of the A-Sun as well as the evolution of the conference. So plenty to get into and let's bring him in. Ted, how you doing today? I'm doing well, and uh, boy, it's good to get my uh, return engagement on the uh, wake-up call, DT. I am glad to be back, and I hope that means that the first time uh, we didn't blow up the, the studio and uh, <laughs> everything, everything turned out okay, so good to be back. And happy to have you back, Ted, and, and I appreciate it very much. So, and you know, I mean, being a commissioner in, in today's world, there's a lot of things that, that are asked of you. I mean, in, in really at any time when you're a leader, there's, there's going to be a lot asked of a leader to actually day-to-day make sure that they are guiding in the right direction. But today's collegiate athletic world is, is so challenging for new things that have come about Looking at name, image, and likeness in the transfer portal, how have you assessed what's gone on? Because uh, very few rules put into place. A lot of people call it the Wow Wow West. Some people say the Wow Wow West had more rules. So, how do you look at name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal and just what it's done to the college model so far? Well, I will first of all agree with you that they're both uh, huge issues that are changing the way we do business, and uh, so that presents new challenges. Uh, I don't like to look at them and say, hey, was this good or bad? Uh, are you going to win or lose with this? But it, it's just change, and things are always going to change. So our job, you know, as, as uh, managers and leaders and educators is to just stay up on it, have a little bit of your own experience to try to look down the road and say, hey, here's some things I think we ought to prepare for. And then, you know, do good work with your colleagues so that you can find out if your views are in sync with others and if you're going to build a new uh, environment, let's do it uh, to the best of our ability. So uh, I, I just think it's Change is, is more rapid and uh, at a greater scale than some people are comfortable with. But that's just the way it is. So I look at it. Let's talk first about the transfer portal. Uh, if you're a student athlete, and my belief is that it's the best time ever to be a student athlete. You know, it, it, and it's going to get better. So if we do this again in a year, that will probably be the best time ever to be a student athlete. So it really is. It's a great experience. Uh, The media at large likes to talk about the best football teams, and they like to talk about the best basketball teams, and that's about where most of it ends. Those student athletes uh, are a very tiny fraction of the group we serve, you know, 360,000 student athletes. Uh, you know, the the old campaign about most of them are going pro and something other than sports is absolutely true. So with that being said, the transfer portal presents a lot of challenges to coaches. Of course, they're not going to like it. Whatever tools they've built over a career uh, to be successful are now being undermined. And that's not uh, fun. It's not welcome and uh, it presents another challenge. But it, it's just the way it is. So uh, we're going to have to accommodate 
uh, transfers. If it's okay for a coach and an AD and a commissioner to come and go on their terms, uh, it's hard to argue that a student shouldn't be able to come and go. But there's got to be some uh, structure to it. And uh, I think that there will be some timing elements that uh, you know need to go in and say, hey, here's where we start and here's where we finish. And then we'll play the year. And then we can go back and look at it again. And there'll be some progress towards degree. Uh, if we're still going to be higher education, you've got to make progress towards degree. You can't just go from school A to B to C and take intro to whatever and uh, play three or four seasons and never make any progress towards degree. So uh, I do think that the that progress towards degree will be really important. I do think that some uh, deadlines, when do we start, when do we finish, setting your roster. Uh, you can't have it be in a constant state of flux. And uh, so we'll look at drafts and we'll look at uh, different things, but I do think that's here to stay. I don't think we're uh, going the other direction, but you know, that's just my opinion. Uh, and uh, we can get into NIL from the perspective of a mid-major, but I'll stop and see if there's anything further on the transfer portal that uh, you think I might be able to share. Well, you know, like, like you said, I mean, it's you're essentially, I mean, it's 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 free agency, and you know, it puts you in a situation where there used to be rules in place, right, where you had to sit out a year if you were transferring. You, if you were transferring within the same conference, you might have to sit out two years. And coaches had all the power. A coach could come to you. You could say, "Hey, I'm going to transfer," and the coach could say, "Well, you can't transfer in conference, and you can't transfer to any of the teams that we're playing." They could give you a list of 27 schools and say, "You can't go to any of these places." And what if? five of those 27 are the ones recruiting you the most what if one of them is the one that you really want to go to so you know i think that all the control was in the hands of the coaches before in the school and now all the control is in the hands of the student athlete and so you go from one extreme to another extreme the transfer portal yeah it gives an opportunity for somebody who maybe their coach leaves to say, okay, well, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Maybe I want to go with the coach. Maybe I want to go somewhere else. Maybe I want to be close to home. But at the same time, it also creates this world of, well, I don't want to compete. I don't want to be personally responsible. I don't want to have to deal with this. And I think, you know, we could see this this turn in. I mean, we have seen it turn into something that is very dangerous and, and kind of takes away the amateur model. And you don't really have to be dedicated to a school. You don't have to be dedicated to education. And, and I think, you know, NIL comes into this in the sense of the schools that can use NIL as a recruiting tool to say, hey, transfer to us and we can get you this and we have this amount of money. And so, you know, I just, I feel to kind of go off of your points and to expand it into NIL, we're in a world right now where recruiting that was already lopsided can become even more lopsided and you could be building up a player somewhere. You know, let's say that one of your institutions, let's say uh, Florida Gulf Coast is is building up a basketball player, for instance, right? And this basketball player is, is you know, averaging 20 points a game, 11 rebounds a game, double-double, playing fantastic, helping the team to get to the NCAA tournament. And then Duke comes along after two years of Florida Gulf Coast and says, hey, we think that they've done a great job of grooming you and building you. And now that you're a full flower, we just want to pluck you right out of the ground and we want to put you in a vase over here in, in, in Tobacco Road. And that's where I think it's becoming a danger zone because you you have to re-recruit your entire team while you're recruiting to bring other people in. And it's NIL and the transfer portal working together could really hurt people because if your player is really strong and doing that well and maybe you got a steal and maybe they weren't highly recruited out of, out of high school or out of prep school, but now that they've done the things that they needed to do and you got that diamond in the rough, well, now the schools that didn't like them before can turn around and try and pluck them from you. And as they're doing that, maybe could entice them monetarily to make a decision as well. Daniel, here, this won't be news uh, to you and I and probably not news to anybody else out there that's listening. But guess what? Life's not fair. So if we 
if we want to sit and make things fair, uh, you know, hey, start at your corner and uh, try to do something in your neighborhood that'll make it better. But uh, if you put these three things uh, on a list and ask which is the number one, which is two, and which is three, you're going to get different answers. But here's the three things. Uh, The young uh, men and women that are going to college, like they have uh, an experience they're looking for. So we we want to be cognizant of providing a good experience for young men and women, both competitively and health-wise and educationally. So student experience. Then we want the educational component. We want them to graduate. If it's a college model, and and I don't use the word amateur because uh, I think that's what Miriam Webster decides. What does that word mean? Whatever they say it means. I'm talking about the collegiate model where you're a student and an athlete. So in that collegiate model, we want people to graduate. So we want you to have a great experience. We want you to graduate. And then another thing is we want to win. My fans want to win. I want to win. The students on my team want to win. The AD wants to win. The commissioner wants to win. Uh, So those three things, you, you put them in whatever blender you like. Chop them up. Come back out. All right. Daniel, you're the commissioner of the NCAA. We just made you the new uh, person. Give me those three things. What are you going to put number one? What are you going to put number two? And what are you going to put number three uh, for running the entire NCAA? So I'm asking you a question now. <laughs> so, in, in you know, so to refresh here, of these bullet points, you're asking me to decide between these three things. Say them again, because I want people to hear these again, because I feel like people forget that it's not just about what you're doing on the fields and the courts of life. So tell me these three again, and I'll, I'll, I'll put them in order for you. Yeah, and again, you know, I didn't expect that you'd have an answer, but, you know, we've got to hire a new leader of the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these are things that have to be decided. So, yes, we have meetings with our folks, and uh, there'll be meetings with commissioners, there'll be meetings with the national delegations, everybody. But here's those three things. Student-athlete experience. The young men and women, you know, what is their experience that a a student has but a student-athlete has as a competitor? We want that to be a focal point that, the student athlete experience has to be special. You know, how that experience builds their life is, is really important. The second one, we want them to graduate. If yep. you come to college and you don't graduate, to me, that's that's a breakdown in the system. Now, if you are one and done and go to the NBA and sign for millions of dollars, you can go back to school whenever you choose. You know, uh, put that money aside, a little fraction of it, and... Uh, the NBA should be responsible for educating you in the financial literacy that's needed and all that stuff. So I'm not saying that that's a bad outcome. Yeah. But in general, you got to graduate. Right. Or we, we, we just had a recreational experience, not an educational one. So I want your experience to be positive and, and uh, focused on the student. I want you to graduate, and then I want to win. I want to win. Yeah. And so, yeah, I fight. If I'm the SEC, I'm fighting for the ways I can win. If I'm the Big Ten, I'm fighting for the ways I can win. If I'm a coach for a women's soccer team in the A-Sun, I'm fighting for ways I can win. And uh, so that's important. Fans want to win. Yeah. Uh, they want to root for a winner. I will tell you, every marketing plan in every uh, program, whether it's college, pro, high school, whatever, they say, like, well, we got to market. You're not marketing us. You know what? Go win. If you win, that will be the greatest marketing tool you ever have. So anyway, I'm not saying that winning is unimportant. It's really important. And uh, it cycles. You know, people will win and then they might not. But in the collegiate model, you got to have a great experience. you got to graduate. And we want to win. So if you have to compromise, how do you put them? You're the new NCAA president. Yeah. How like oh well it'll be equal it'll be a third a third a third perfectly equal and we will support them all equally and everyone will be happy 
that would not be my answer. But just yeah, if you if you have any thoughts, or you can just pose it back to your to your fans, say hey, shoot me your your responses, and we'll have a show about that later. But th- that's the dilemma. Uh, we say we're students first, and then we act like winning is the only thing that matters. Yeah, no, and I and I agree with you that a lot of people say take the student off student athlete because they don't they don't feel that it's it's there. If I was the NCAA president, and you know, I, I want to be clear about the fact that you know the NCAA current president Mark Emmert said at the beginning of this pandemic there is no Zara football. He said he had no control over, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said he had no control over what schools can play, what conferences can play. And when he made that statement, I said, you essentially said you're the president of nothing, but you make over a million dollars a year. If I was the NCAA president, and I'm saying this because this is how I feel, and this is how I was raised, and this is what's important to me, I would want you to graduate because a small, tiny percentage of the world gets to play collegiate athletics, gets to, be, gets to compete in collegiate athletics. A very, very, very smaller percentage of that is Division One. From there, a tinier percentage of the tiny, tiny percentage gets to go on professionally and play. So I want you to graduate because I want you to have a future. I want you to know what you want to do. I want you to have personal responsibility. And I want you to understand that there, no matter how good you are, no matter what you can do on the field and the court, at the end of the day, you are going to have to do something else. And a lot of these very successful student athletes that go and play professionally at 30, 31, 38 years old, they have the rest of their lives ahead of them. They got another 50, 60 years. They're going to have to learn how to do something in their lives. So I want you to graduate. If I'm the NCAA president, my first and foremost thing is how are we going to get these student athletes to graduate? I want to make sure they get an education. They got a free education. I want to make sure they take advantage of it. Secondly, the student athlete experience. I want you to have a great experience. I want you to truly come away from this and feel that your institution was good, your sport was good, your overall feeling of the NCAA is good. I want to make sure that men and women are treated equally. I want to make sure that my Olympic sports don't feel disrespected and spurned. I want to make sure that basketball and football are handled properly. I want to make sure people don't get preferential treatment. I want to make sure that if you're a student athlete, and, and you, you're a student athlete in golf, volleyball, basketball, football, field hockey. I want you to all feel like you're well represented and well respected by your institution, by your conference, and by the NCAA. And thirdly, I would put winning. Because listen, everybody wants to win. Everybody wants to, to be able to hoist that trophy. But if you if you make sure that we have a focus on academics, we have a focus on standing for something and not falling for anything, and we make sure that every student athlete of every sport has a good experience, then we're eventually going to win. If we're building good people and not just good athletes, then eventually we will win. Only one team gets to hoist a trophy. Only one team in each sport gets to gets to say that they are champions. So not every so one team is going to be the champion, and no other teams within that are going to be the champion. So how do I make sure that we're all champions? By making sure that we focus on education, we focus on graduation, we focus on your student athlete experience. Because if we do those things and we do those things well, then no matter who wins the championship, we're building good people, we're building a good society, we're building a good community, and hopefully we're building people that want to give back to their conference, want to give back to their schools, and that's going to help those schools stay afloat and those conferences stay alive. So I think winning will take care of itself if you do everything else right, and if you are building a good community of people in the classroom and a great experience for them in and out of the classroom and on and off the fields and the courts of life, then no matter who wins the championship, they all feel like they're winning something. And that to me is the only model that's going to make sure that everybody wins at some point, in my opinion. I love it. I'm going to send your name in as a candidate because uh, I I couldn't agree with you more that fans and resources, because all these things take resources, and fans will support a winner. It's hard to say, hey, I know we stink and we went 0-14, but if you just give us a bunch of money, we'll be better. Uh, that doesn't work. So you do need resources to make this work, and winning helps build resources, and uh, there is a factor. But 
But if you boil it down to, let's talk about your son or daughter, or your brother or sister, or your uncle, aunt, whatever, that if their experience is going to be better at school A than school B, and who's a better judge of that than that person, uh, that student, and they want to move to a new school, uh, and the only thing that you're upset about as a fan is like, aw, I'm not going to win as much if you leave. Uh, that's that's not part of what we're doing. You, that you're disappointed you might not win. Uh, every game, one team wins, one team loses. Uh, we can't we can't create more wins. <laughs> There's half wins, half losses. Uh, but if you do what's right for that young man or woman, then we will do exactly what you said, and we'll have people that value the system. They'll become uh, leaders across the country and everything, whether it's leading their home or leading the country, and they'll build something better than we have. That's that's the last thing, you know, my grandfather, my father, uh, my parents, everything said, leave the campsite better than you found it. And so when we say it's the best time today to be a student athlete, I hope that's the case, you know, in a year, in a decade, it should always be getting better. But that's cool. I I, uh, I didn't mean to get all fired up about it, but you asked the question, and now you know where I stand. And it sounds like we're on the same page. Yeah, you know, and 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 I no, I definitely appreciate it because I think you know it needs to be spoken about. And you know, Ted, having you on the show before, what what made me want to to bring you back on was, you know, you are so candid, you are so open, you're not mincing words you're not trying to be a politician you're speaking on what you what you believe in and you're letting your conference members know the schools know hey this is how i lead this is you know you can't be a leader if you're wishy-washy and a flip-flopper people don't want to follow somebody that has no idea where they're going you don't follow a compass that keeps spinning you know you follow a compass that figures out eventually what direction they want to go in if you're a compass that's that's spinning one way this hour and then this way then that way then all you end up doing is walking in a circle you end up in the same place but if you're going to dedicate yourself to saying hey i'm a compass and i'm going to go in this direction and maybe there's a cliff when i get here and maybe maybe there's a valley and maybe there's snakes and maybe there's ice and maybe we got to cross a river whatever it may be this is the place that i feel like is best to go there's no direction that a leader is going to take that's going to be completely concrete with nothing on it and everything's going to be fine eventually there's going to be adversity but you can't follow a compass that spins you follow a compass that's going to point in a direction at some point and the fact that you're saying hey i'm the commissioner of the asun and this is where i point that means something that means something to your schools it means something to the people that work in your office because you can't follow a leader that has no idea where they're going and i can respect and appreciate that well, I, I do as well. I try to act as you just described. And uh, it's like anything else that if uh, you do what you believe is right and act with conviction, there'll be enough chance to evaluate. Uh, and if people that you report to decide they want another direction, it's their prerogative to do so. But uh, yeah, I think stick with your convictions. And uh, uh, <laughs> we can talk a little bit about NIL. We get off track here. But I, I think... If I have to summarize my job, it's it's really two things. I have to uh, make friends, and I have to make decisions. And you're going to be evaluated on how you do. So did you make good friends, and did you make good decisions? You'll probably keep your job. If you're shaky, you may be told to do better. And if you're not good at it, you're making the wrong friends, and you're making bad decisions, you will be invited to go search for a new job. So... Uh, I try to keep things simple, and uh, so if I can make good friends and good decisions, everything will be all right. And uh, we will uh, continue to fight what we think is right and provide that experience and that education. And golly, if you can graduate debt-free uh, and, and have your degree in whatever uh, field you chose as a student-athlete, that's a win. That's where administrators and coaches win. Uh, yeah, the championships and the trophies and all that stuff is great, but if you get your degree and you're you're ready to go in life and, and your debt is minimal, that's a win. And uh, so you define that as a win, then uh, we got a whole bunch of really good winners in the NCAA. Yeah, 
And that's a lot to be said here and, and much appreciation of that. And, and, the, and the way to make sure that everybody wins, because in the actual competition, you have one victor, as we spoke about. But if you do things the right way overall for your student athletes, then you can find a way to make sure that everybody wins in your student body as a whole. As we are here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora with the ASUN Conference Commissioner Ted Gumbart. Uh, Ted, to continue on to this conversation here, to take a look at the evolution of the ASUN. I mean, obviously it used to be the Atlantic Sun, now the ASUN, the evolution of, of that portion of it, the name, the evolution of the logo. And, you know, with realignment, we see that you have you know, a bunch of uh, members that are within your institution. And then you have uh, you have affiliates that are a part of this as well. So we have Bellarmine, as well as Central Arkansas, Eastern Kentucky, Florida Gulf Coast, Jacksonville, Jacksonville State, Kennesaw State, Liberty, Lipscomb, uh, North Alabama, North Florida, Stetson, all as full members. We know that after the 2022-2023 academic year, we will see uh, Jacksonville State and Liberty uh, move forward here into Conference USA. Uh, affiliate members, Air Force, Coastal Carolina, Cleveland State, the College of Charleston, Delaware State, Detroit Mercy, Mercer, Robert Morris, Stephen F. Austin, Utah, and UNC Wilmington. So to just you know take a look at your full-time members, your affiliate members, and the fact that realignment has had the ripple effect and, and continues to affect conferences all over the country, including the A-Sun, which you had obviously uh, sent out a statement about, about uh, the fact that the conference is going to be uh, different here with after this uh, upcoming uh, season. So we know that you know the A-Sun is, is no different than many conferences out there in realignment and the shifting of things. So how would you describe the, the evolution of the A-Sun and the fact that realignment continues to find its place in collegiate athletics and obviously has an effect on the A-Sun as well? Yeah, absolutely, man. That sounds like a mouthful when you read all those affiliates. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'll try to sum it up uh, with a, a unifying principle. Uh, my background is in, in uh, I, I had my degree in economics, and I have an MBA. And uh, I look at things from uh, a manager's uh, mindset, you know, and uh, I would much rather manage growth than uh, to try to manage, uh, you know, uh, uh, losing, uh, whether it's members or whether you're managing an economy or you're managing a store. I want to manage growth. I want things to grow and we will deal with them. So uh, from that standpoint, 22, 23, we're going to have the most members we've ever had. 14 schools with Queens. University of Charlotte coming in, 14 members. So that's a record. We're going to have more sports than we've ever had because we have football. we got a football trophy to hand out. We have men's lacrosse. Uh, we're going to be looking at, uh, and this, this is the first time this is going to be out in the public, so you're breaking news here. We are looking at women's swimming, and that may be something that we bring under the ASON umbrella or a partnership umbrella. Uh, rather than do it under the CCSA that we do right now. So we're going to have a record number of schools. We're going to have a record number of sports. And then we're also going to have a record number of affiliates because we built a swimming league. We built a beach volleyball league. We built a men's lacrosse league that, uh, like, for instance, our men's lacrosse, we're going to have 10. Only three of them are full-time ASUN members, Queens, Jacksonville, and Bellarmine. But we're going to have 10. And we offer that because that's part of what we do. If there's another opportunity in the postseason, if there's another opportunity for player of the week, if there's another opportunity to get all academic honors and uh, you know, call home and tell your mom and dad you're an all-academic honoree, then why wouldn't we do it? So we do it. We think that growing is is a really good way to build options and relationships. And so, yes, we are uh, setting a record and growth uh, has been something we're never scared of. And we will tell you the ASUN, we want to be growing, but we want to be innovative. We want to be adaptive and we want to continue to look for new and different ways to do things that will build that growth and those partnerships. So we think we're doing okay, and uh, we're going to keep at it. 
You know, and then we look on the football side of things and renewing the alliance between the A-Sun and the WAC conferences, the Western Athletic Conference, and seeing what you've done. It allows uh, for seven institutions to build a new automatic qualifier. Uh, we look at the A-Sun and, and just uh, the and, and obviously the qualifier into the NCAA FCS playoff, playoffs and looking at the teams that are eligible. The A-Sun include Austin P, Central Arkansas, Eastern Kentucky, Kennesaw State, North Alabama, the WAC, uh, Abilene Christian, Lamar, Stephen F. Austin, Southern Utah, University of the Incarnate Word. Uh, looking at this and, and looking at the future of this as as we see, you know, how we can build this partnership and what it means for football and and the collaboration. Bring me into this. Being the commissioner, obviously, this is something that is, you know, in, in at your desk. And how do you do this? How do you build football in the A-Sun? And to work with the WAC and to see, you know, what the WAC can bring to this and, and how the two conferences together can try and find a way to build the brand of football and to make sure that there could be an automatic qualifier and a place in the FCS playoffs, Division One, Double A as well. Just what you could say about what this means and, and what it does and, and maybe what this is, has evolved into. Well, I'm happy to comment on that. I think that uh, I hope to get Brian Thornton uh, on from the WAC to be a guest uh, with you because he can give uh, a perspective from their conference. But I'll tell you, we built uh, a new AQ last year in that uh, WAC ASUN partnership. And uh, building something new, as I said, we like to build, we like to grow. So now uh, it's going to go from seven to ten institutions. And uh, if we can grow it, we'll both get our own AQ, which would be the, the best. But until we do, we wouldn't have this AQ if those seven schools didn't partner last year. Yeah. So uh, we want all seven of those to be whole. Uh, again, we, we talked about treating people right. It's the right thing to do to, to build. It would be the wrong thing to say, hey, now that we have it, we're going to keep it and you guys can't have it. Uh, that's not the way we want to do business. So we're growing. We'll have 10 schools fighting for that bid. And uh, we hope we have some at-large schools that come in. We are also looking at other partnerships. I mean, we built a partnership between the Big South and the A-Sun. And that's what helped Kennesaw State stay in the A-Sun, helped us bring North Alabama into the A-Sun. And that was a valuable partnership that did both sides very well. And uh, we talked to the Big South. We talked to the OBC. We, we made some uh, headway, but we couldn't get all the way to the end zone. But with the WAC, we already had the partnership. We had the like-minded institutions. They want to win. They want to be the best. Uh, we want to be the best. And so uh, that's where that partnership uh, came from. And now we're going to stay partners. If we both get an AQ, that's great. And we're still going to stay partners to build what we consider uh, to be the best environment for these young people to play football and to advance to uh, playoff games. And if the FCS championship changes, uh, and we may be intentionally influencing that in the coming year, that we always want to maintain the best opportunities for uh, participation, a great experience, a chance to be successful, and all of that. So we we're... We're happy where we are, and we got our sights set on a brighter day always looking ahead. Yeah, you know, and that coming here from the A-Sun Commissioner here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside the Cafe Kubal Studios with Ted Gumbart here on Wake Up Call. Uh, you know, you, you had mentioned, too, when we talk about realignment and, and what you do and, and having uh, Liberty moving out of the conference and having Jacksonville State moving out of the conference, and you mentioned Queens University of of Charlotte and just, you know, what this looks like overall for you as, as we take a look at the conference itself. There's a lot of affiliate members, but when we look at the grand scheme of things and your full-time members, how would you describe what it looks like now and, and how the A-Sun has tackled realignment? Well, hey, that's a great question. And I will tell you that there is a, uh, you know, a coach level, a faculty level, uh, an AD level, a president's level, a commissioner's level, 
we all answer to uh, various and diverse uh, boards or bosses. And if you, number one, understand, we have to find common value uh, that uh, we do things together. And when you look at it from an institutional perspective and the CEOs that have to run those institutions, uh, they want their athletic programs to win. And so it is a factor. It's like, hey, you're going to be 10 or you're going to be 12 or you're going to be 14. Uh, It may become a little harder to win and put banners up on my wall. Uh, But I will tell you, we are bigger than that. We are about those other things, the education, the experience, and institutions themselves are in a competitive environment. They need to recruit students to be able to to get the resources to provide a great education. And we are in a uh, a cycle where for the next seven years, uh, there's going to be a drop in the number of young men and women applying to college. And is Division One going to be the most impacted? I don't believe so. But I also believe that if you want to build the best student body for your school, you better be looking at ways to grow your brand, to grow your uh, recruiting, and to grow your affiliation with alumni, with possible uh, donors, with possible students. So without the students, student athletes don't matter. I mean, we don't exist to have a soccer team. The soccer team exists to help us do a better job uh, at what we do in higher ed. So if that's the case, being in Charlotte adds a great deal of value. Uh, Being in Florida, being in Nashville, being in Louisville adds value. Uh, you know, we, we go from central Arkansas, uh, we go up to Louisville uh, and Bellarmine and the north. We go to Fort Myers in the south. And uh, we think that being bigger can add value. And so that's really what we look at. Are we adding value? I serve the, the 12 ongoing schools. We have 14. We want them all to have a great experience. But if we're voting on what we're doing in the next five years, I have 12 institutions. And if I don't add value to them, then then what I'm proposing is, is not the right thing. So uh, winning, as I said, it's part of the equation. We all want to win. But there's a reason that we compete uh, in the marketplace of higher ed, not just on the soccer or volleyball courts. So I think we're doing... Uh, 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 a wise thing by staying open to growth. And again, I lead, but the the presidents make the decisions. And right now we've just got a great set of presidents. Uh, It's a pleasure to work with them. And that's what makes the, the, the job rewarding to say, Hey, we're all trying to do something good and we're trying to make it better every day. And uh, at least for now, teamwork that, that we've got going on is working. Yeah, you know, and, and you have uh, you have a hold, a stronghold on the South, and and also uh, parts of the Midwest and whatnot. Being in the headquarters of Atlanta, Georgia, I mean, Atlanta is a place where, and I've been down there a bunch of times. I mean, we know that Chick Fil A is down there, Carvel is down there, Coca Cola is down there. There's so many things that have, that have come out of come out of Atlanta, and you have the College Football Hall of Fame and whatnot. There's a lot to be said about that being a beacon for sports, for entertainment, having your headquarters in Atlanta, Georgia, and then having such a strong, like I said, a strong hold with the South when it comes to your membership, uh, your full-time membership, what is it saying about the future of the A-Sun and how you see yourselves and, and how you see really positioning yourselves as a marketable commodity as you step forward? Well, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I think our presidents would agree. Uh, we love having our headquarters in Atlanta. It's it's the business hub of the, the South. It's the cultural hub. It's the transportation hub. It's the sports hub. It is 
you know, if you had to take our footprint of the world and say, what's what's the capital of this zone? You know, I'm sure the folks in Charlotte and the folks in Jacksonville and the folks in Nashville and Louisville, they're all going to lay claim. But Atlanta is literally the center of it. And so uh, we are using those relationships. We're pursuing some new partnerships that some of those people you named, uh, maybe we'll have some news on them in the coming year. But it's very valuable for us to be in the center of it all. And uh, so uh, that was a a very uh, intentional decision to put our headquarters there. And, and in having that, as you step forward, when you look at the model and, and what makes the A-Sun special, you know, there's so many conferences within Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, so on and so forth, you know, and then you have the NJCAA and the USCAA. There's a lot of people going after partnerships. There's a lot of places going after opportunities. What is it about the A-Sun? Because you've been a part of it for for so long, Ted, and, and you really do have that come-up story, right? When it was the Trans-America Athletic Conference, the TAAC, in 1991, you started there as the first assistant commissioner and then promoted to associate commissioner six years later in 97, senior associate commissioner in 2004, and then in January of 2007, became the fourth full-time commissioner of the A-Sun. So you have spent so much time and so many decades with the A-Sun, you can sell it better than anybody because it should be synonymous with everything that you do. You know what it's like. You know you know the makeup of it, and you know what it's evolved to from name to logo to where it's located as headquarters. So how do you sell the A-Sun? What, what do you think about the A-Sun makes it unique and makes it special in a world where so many conferences are looking to grab the spotlight. What is it about the A-Sun that you think is deserving of the spotlight? Well, I'm always willing to brag on our our schools and our student-athletes and the coaches that recruit them, train them, and keep them, and uh, the faculty. It's a good, uh, good opportunity, so I'm always willing to take it that you have to stand for something. And for the ASUN, we want to be students first. That's our primary beam. And when we say it, we back it up. And if we don't, we'll get called out and proven to be uh, insincere, lack of integrity, you know, just not uh, what we say we are. So we specifically said we're going to be students first. We're going to be focused on the best experience for our student-athletes that we can possibly provide, and then we're going to get them graduated. Uh, and so if that's the, the goal, then you get the commitment of the presidents who are the true leaders of the conference. You know, I have to be a manager, but uh, I build options. They help evaluate and determine which way we go. And then once you get kind of in sync with each other, you have that level of confidence and trust that makes a good team. So we are a good team right now, and uh, the next three beams in the ASUN, Rise, Connect, Impact. I think uh, Rise, you know, means we want to, you know, we love to grow and get better every day. Connect, be as connected to your audience as you could possibly be. Uh, you know, share, be sincere, let them know. Because uh, somebody told me once that if if you're a really good program but nobody knows it, does it matter? And I'm like, well, yeah, it matters, but it's better if people know. And uh, the last one about Rise Connect Impact means do do something positive, make an impact, make a difference. Don't be a bystander, be a player, and make a difference. So if you live that, and it's not a 30-day program. For me, it's been a 30-year program. But if you live that and the students believe it, then they become your greatest recruiters. And so now our uh, teams that have had a good experience in the A-Sun become our greatest recruiters. And they say, yes, you go to the A-Sun, they do care about you. They do care about you graduating. And they do care about you having a tremendous experience. So uh, I think that's the difference. Uh, everybody can say 
they're going to do great things. Uh, but go ahead and back it up. You know, go ahead and do it. Uh, show, don't tell. Show them how you operate. Uh, and it's open to everybody. I mean, there's a lot of successful conferences. There's a lot of successful programs. Uh, and uh, there's different recipes for it, but that's ours. That coming here from Ted Gumbart, the ASUN commissioner on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Final points here, Ted. We spoke on realignment. You have so many affiliate members of the ASUN. Is there any hope as we step forward to transition some of those affiliate members to full-time members? How are you looking at things right now as far as making sure that the ASUN, like you said, that you'll have the most coming up this you know this this upcoming year you'll have the most with 14 schools but you have a couple leaving what is the future plan as far as where the a sun would like to go well we have 12 ongoing schools that's a, a tremendous group of committed and dedicated uh, leaders to build a great conference we do have some unfinished business with football we want to uh, continue to grow and build our football. Uh, so there's some, some uh, continuing work being done there. And uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that on the next episode where uh, I get fortunate enough to be invited back. But uh, the number uh, of members uh, is, is only uh, something that serves the membership. If we need one or two more for football and that gives us the stability for everybody, then 14 could be a great number. If we find some other ways to uh, sustain and stabilize football or there's a new uh, national movement uh, in football, we'll be ready. Uh, but we, we do want to be sure that instead of five ongoing football members, we have six or seven. And uh, so that's something we're working on. So ideally, we'd find those and uh, we would continue to add value for the 12 we had. So I, I think uh, 14, uh, as of today, Daniel, would probably be something we would be looking forward to. Fair enough. And, and final thing here, we kind of to come full circle. We've spoken on all of the things in big picture for the NCAA. I said f about five years ago, I said five to 10 years from that time that I spoke. So we're right at that window that I had stated five years ago. I said the NCAA will either not exist the way that we know it currently, or it'll not exist at all. What do you think about, I mean, this transformation the new constitution, the NCAA is trying to figure out their identity to know who they are, how they're going to lead. A new president is coming at some point. What are your thoughts as a commissioner and as someone who's been in collegiate athletics for decades here, where is the NCAA heading and, and what are your hopes as we go forward? Well, I think that your, your predictions, they might both come true that, uh, it's not the way you know it. It's a new NCAA. Uh, so, yes, it's changed. But I would look at it to let's revamp the things that have to be revamped. Everybody's finally on board that we need to modernize and that we need to update and that we need to uh, do some things differently. But there's also a tremendous value uh, as you talk about it in the blue disc, you know, that NCAA logo, regardless of the, the black eyes that uh, we all incur because the NCAA is us. So the schools, the administrators, that's us. I mean, the president, that's an unbelievably difficult job. And uh, whoever has it will, will do everything in their power to, to be successful. But we all need to take responsibility and ownership and say, this is our association. Let's keep what's great. I mean, the student athlete experience has never been better. I, I just come back to that, that the, the opportunities, the uh, life changing experience has never been better. And we have a lot of relationships uh, that are built. Let's keep them. But let's do things better. 
you know, we can do a lot of things better, and that's what's happening now. So I think you got to have somebody, like you said, with with the compass that you agree with. Let's let's check that compass before we hire a new uh, leader. And then you can't do everything, and you can't do everything perfectly. Let's prioritize uh, the mission of the NCAA, and then we can set our new policies to deliver. And uh, I think I think we're in a, a good spot. I don't like to think that there's uh, any jeopardy of the NCAA surviving. Uh, I think there's too much value. Uh, students want to play. Uh, fans want to root for their school. And schools want to recruit in a sports-crazy country. And we've got the best sporting event uh, in the world with uh, the basketball tournament. So a lot of great things to build on and a lot of really good people doing good work. So uh, as much as it, it frustrates you from time to time, it's still an unbelievably successful operation. And uh, I'm happy that we we have some small role in making a difference in young people's lives. So it, it is a good thing, and we will make it better. That coming here from Ted Gumbart. I couldn't put it better myself there it is a good thing and we will make it better the a sun commissioner here on wake up call with dan tortora and our commissioner connection where we get in touch with the leaders of collegiate athletics from around our beautiful country and we do it here on wake up call inside of the cafe kubal studios ted as always i appreciate you for everything that you uh, bring to the table you're so open and honest about again how you lead and what you're thinking and what you're feeling about certain things and why you do what you do and you know when you if you really want to know someone you got to know their why and i am very very appreciative of the fact that i feel like getting to know you over these airwaves and having other people get to know what you stand for it really helps us to to know the character of who you are and and why you are choosing to do the things you're doing the way that you are so i really appreciate the time and i appreciate the time well spent so thank you for that Absolutely. My pleasure to be on. And uh, if there's ever another time where we think we can do good work together, uh, you want to be entertaining and uh, you got to bring some news. So we'll do the best we can there. And uh, again, I appreciate you. Thank you.